Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. The New Living Translation says, I do believe, but help me not to doubt. Ooh, that's good. Just be honest with God. God, I know you can do it, but help me not to doubt. Now, when does the doubt come? Well, the doubt comes when we pray in faith and believe it, but it doesn't happen right then. That's why we pray with fervency and we pray persistently. The dissonance between what you know you should believe and what you think you really might believe but are afraid to admit is the challenge of the Christ follower. All around you, you see shattered dreams, both large and small. And yet Jesus says to ask and to trust the Father. It's hard to do, but as Pastor Mark will be teaching today, it's not impossible. You'll learn today about God's conditions for him answering prayer. They might seem challenging, but they're not hard once you start to really trust God. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Ephesians chapter 1 as he continues his message, Just Ask. God is a giving God. He loves to give. His wisdom will be practical and yet very spiritual, often beyond our own understanding. Wisdom will be given to us if we ask in faith. Now, look at verse 6. Here's the danger of it. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. Why? Well, he's a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. So we've already mentioned that faith is a requirement of prayer. God will give wisdom, but we have to ask in faith. We must have simply the confidence that God will answer. Now, I ask for wisdom, but I'm going to put this one down because I think it goes perfectly with it. I have to ask for more faith. I don't only ask for wisdom, but I really say to God, help my unbelief. Let's turn, and I want you to see these in Scripture, Mark chapter 9. You're going to read a wonderful story, true story, where the disciples didn't get it. And often we don't get it. And I want us to learn some things from this because I talked to the pastors a little bit about it today in our meeting, but I really want to talk to us about it. Mark chapter 9, verse 15. Remember now, James says, ask, don't doubt, believe. Verse 15, as soon as all the people saw Jesus, 
They were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. Notice this. I ask your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. We talked today in our staff meeting. Why do not we see so many miracles today? God wants to do it. In fact, later in chapter 16 of Mark, it says, In my name you will cast out demons. Demons. Why do we see so little, compared to biblical days, of miracles? Obviously, the greatest miracle is a person coming to the Lord. We see that, praise God. But what about the faith areas? Why don't we see this? Do we expect those? If this was here in this church, would you expect that God could use you to heal this boy, cast the demon out? Oh, not me, Pastor Margaret. Well, no, the scripture says any of us. We're filled with the Spirit. So it's a challenge to us. So when you see the disciples, they can't do it. They failed. Just mark F under spiritual. But I can relate to them. Anybody here can relate to them? Anybody? Well, the rest of you can do it then, eh? Praise God. Let's try that again. Anybody relate to the lack of faith we see? Oh, there's more honesty coming out. You say, well, I'm not interested in that kind of stuff. You should be. Who knows what God's going to bring to us? Say, Pastor Mark, that's New Testament stuff way back then. That's not now. Have people changed? Do you think there's anybody in this town that's bound by a demon in our town? Absolutely. Many people, not Christians, Christians could never be, but unbelievers. Now, what's going to happen? He says, they could not. Look at what Jesus replies. I like his general reply. Oh, unbelieving generation. He didn't go, okay, Pete. He just generalized it. He was saying, when will you get it? How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the Spirit saw Jesus, I love this, because the Spirit goes, "Uh uh-oh. I like it, don't you? Think of this. Isn't it amazing that the spirit is more sensitive than the disciples? We're not a weird church here, and we don't believe in weird stuff, people falling and screaming and all that stuff. We don't believe in any of that. But what I see in the Bible, we have to believe in practice. So you and I ought to be able to walk in, and if there's a discernment that's needed, that should be part of our makeup. It's a gift of discernment. The Spirit knew what was about to take place. So he's going to try to make it more difficult. Notice, when the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him in the fire and water to kill him. But if you can do anything... Take pity on us and help us. I like Jesus' response. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. 
You need to circle that in your Bible. And if you got a color marker, color everything. Because see, we don't. We read it. We read it. We all read it. But we don't believe it. Everything is possible for him who believes. Here's where I think we have to learn to ask for more faith. Just be honest with God. Notice verse 24. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. The New Living Translation says, I do believe, but help me not to doubt. Ooh, that's good. Just be honest with God. God, I know you can do it, but help me not to doubt. Now, when does the doubt come? Well, the doubt comes when we pray in faith and believe it, but it doesn't happen right then. That's why we pray with fervency and we pray persistently. So doubt rises in my heart when I pray for something doesn't happen immediately. So how is God going to increase my faith? Well, he's not, often his timing is way different than mine. So I have to just keep praying and not doubt and keep praying and not doubt and keep praying and not doubt. The longer you pray without the answer, the greater the challenge to our faith. So that's why I have to come back. And quite often I'm going to have to just say to God, God, I ask for more faith. Help my unbelief. So notice verse 25. When Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. (laughs) But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. Can you imagine if you were there, what that would be like? Woo, hallelujah. But you know, that happens spiritually every weekend when people come to the Lord. They were dead in their trespasses and sins. They had no chance of ever surviving. And God just says, well, let's just get rid of the enemy. Or you want me to come in and live instead of Satan? Oh, I do. Boop, boop, boom, changed. That doesn't negate this kind of thing happening either. Now, this Sunday, we're not into casting demons out in the service and all that kind of stuff. But when it happens, as we go through normal life, we should be able to expect The faith that we have to do this. Now, what's the answer? Look at verse 28 and 29. Notice that Jesus doesn't do this publicly. Those of you that are managers, really important key. How do you, how do you challenge employees? How do you correct them? You don't do it publicly. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? Remember, they're learning. We're learning. We're all learners here. We're disciples. We're learning. Jesus replied, this kind can come on only by prayer. Some of your translations may say prayer and fasting. So what does that say? Think about this. Jesus said this difficult time of demon can only be defeated by prayer. Prayer full of faith. But what did Jesus mean? The disciples, I'm sure, said the same thing. But see, it wasn't the prayer only. It was Jesus' lifestyle of prayer. Let me explain it to you. 
the disciples had neglected their ongoing lifestyle of prayer. They probably had been careless. They hadn't learned it all yet. Their faith was weak. They were relying maybe on a religious formula. In the name, remember Simon? In the name of Jesus. That's kind of how Jesus did it the last time. So they'd moved away from this relationship, and it was kind of they're going to defeat Satan in their own strength. Well, I'm an apostle. Demon, come out. The demon goes, yeah, what do I care? Now, what does that say to us? Jesus was saying you can't live victoriously by depending on your own strength, your own wisdom, your own talents, or your own experience. Jesus was saying there is no substitute for a current, up-to-date, powerful, personal relationship with God. That's just a normal part of life. Jesus didn't have to stop here and say, well, I can't do anything until I fast and pray for three days. Because his prayer life was a lifestyle of communicating with God. Now, one commentator, I think, said this. I thought it was good. If you think it through, you can see what had happened. They had faith. But it had changed from faith in God to faith in the process they were following. They thought if you said the right words, followed the right ritual, that the demon would have to leave. Very often we can get into this without even realizing it. We transfer this kind of faith from God who can act and we kind of transfer it to this formula. God isn't a formula. It comes out of a relationship. So we have to have this habit of being with God. And that's why I challenge all of us all the time. Remember the scripture. Think of this. The scripture says be instant in season and out of season. What if you walked out tomorrow morning, got up, and somebody had a demon like this at your place of work? And you've been a Christian 42 years. Do you have enough faith that if God said to you, Go and pray for that individual. Do you have enough faith? <laughs> We'd call for Pastor Dave to come over. Well, God doesn't want you to call for Pastor Dave to come over, necessarily. Now, if you've only been a Christian a few weeks, actually, sometimes being a Christian a few weeks, you do way better than some being a Christian. Because you just don't know enough. Sure, come on, our demon go out. Oh, praise God, it came out. <laughs> Funny, isn't it? But sometimes that's the way it works. So I'm challenging you. Now don't leave here and say, man, this is like a demon hunting church or whatever. Come on. No, it isn't. But demons are real. The spiritual world is more real than what you see here. And that's where prayer is at. It's in the spiritual world. And we're not just talking about demons. But in this particular case, Jesus did. He said to his disciples, well, it doesn't work because your ongoing relationship with God. Well, you, you don't have a relationship with God. And you're counting on some kind of one, two, three formula. That's the danger of watching some, and I won't name names, but you can watch some of it on the whatever and all that stuff. You see that, Jess? And people go, oh, if it comes this way, I'm going to go like this. Well, it's not into a formula. It's into a God. By the way, you never see that in the Bible. So remember, what God wants to do is this next thing you want to write. A lifestyle of prayer keeps our relationship with God current and fresh. A lifestyle. So what is God doing? Well, he's challenging us. And... Next week, invite somebody to Wednesday night. Say, we're learning about prayer. Next week, we're going to learn about God's promises. Just invite somebody. Let your faith grow. As we're here, God's challenging us. And our relationships are getting fresh. We're praying in the morning. We're praying more often. 
And God's just beginning to do things. He's stirring things in our life. Good stuff is happening in all of our lives. Now, Jesus didn't have to stop and pray because he was always in contact with God. Now, who are you trusting in today? Do you trust in your... Pastor Mike, I've been a Christian 22 years. Is that what you're trusting in? No, it's current. It's fresh. It's now. Being a Christian 22 years is good. It's wonderful. But it's not a formula. It's not maturity. It's being used right now. It's not your talent. It's your relationship with God. Now, you can't miss this next one. You might even write and write it in big letters. Ask big. We go up to the drive-in restaurant or whatever. Somebody sent me a thing with a big moose at McDonald's drive-in or whatever. And they were saying supersize it. Exactly. Big. Ask big. You say, well, that's like presumptuous. No, it isn't. God's once. He's a big God. He's a big God. Listen to this poem. I think this poem is classic. And it will, it'll really speak to your heart. Listen to this. If you had been living when Christ was on earth and had met the Savior kind, what would you have asked him to do for you, supposing you were stone blind? The child considered and then replied, I'd expect that without any doubt, I'd have asked for a dog with a collar and a chain. To lead me daily about. And how often thus in our faithless prayers we acknowledge with shame surprise. We have only asked for a dog and a chain when we might have asked for open eyes. That is so true. God wants us to ask big. You know the verse we started with at the beginning of your Ephesians. Unto him who's able, he's able, by the work that's within us, to just accomplish this stuff. Ephesians 3.20. Way more, way more than we could ever dare to ask, even dare to ask, or hope. Ephesians 3.20. In Mark chapter 14, Look down at verse 32. Did Jesus practice what we taught? I'll go through it very quickly. They went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter and James and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Do you remember, this is the night before he's crucified. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said. Stay here and watch. And obviously, pray. Now, what was Jesus going to do? Well, look at verse 35. Going a little farther. He fell to the ground and he prayed. What did he pray? He prayed that if it was possible, the hour, or in other words, the death, the cup, might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Remember what we circled? Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. 
This is a picture of a real conversation with the living God. What was Jesus saying in our terms, Dad? If there's any other way that sinners can be saved and by my death, burial, and resurrection, reveal it to me. Jesus asked. He prayed. It was a prayer full of faith. He believed God could do anything. He believed it. It was a prayer of confidence that God... It was a big prayer. It was a prayer full of confidence in the will of God. Remember we told you if we're going to pray, we have to pray in the will of God. What did Jesus say, God? If there's any other way... But if not, I go with your will. Notice. It was a very specific prayer. So it was a prayer of faith. It was asking. It was a prayer of confidence in the will of God. And it was a specific prayer. God, here's what I want you to do if you can do it. Verse 37, then he returned. The disciples found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch? Could you not pray with me for one hour? Here's a part for us we teach on it another time. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. By that verse, you may want to write this. It sounds stupid to write it, but it's a great reminder. You can't sleep and pray at the same time. So if you like to pray in bed, find another way to pray. Verse 39, once more he went back and prayed the same thing. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. Notice the next sentence. They didn't know what to say to him. They knew that they weren't any help to their best friend in the greatest hour of need. Jesus' disciples failed him. When you're in leadership and people fail you, don't get too upset. The only people that could have prayed men with Jesus are sleeping. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? So what do we have? Three times. It was also a persistent prayer, and it was a fervent prayer. We know in one of the other Gospels, he sweat, as it were, drops of blood. Verse 42, rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. It wasn't only a persistent prayer. It wasn't only a fervent prayer. It was an answered prayer. So, Pastor Mark, he didn't answer. God didn't answer Jesus. He did. We'll talk about this another week. One way that God answers? No. No. And I'll give you a clue. You may have heard it before, but it's very true. The more you serve God, the more you're going to thank God, not for the answered prayers, for the unanswered prayers. Because we're always asking, and it's way out of His will. Wrong timing, wrong place, wrong person, whatever. And God says no. And we get really angry at God. And then later we go, oh, thank you, Jesus. Some of you know what I'm talking about. We drive by and they finally tore that old building down that I knew God was giving us, that building on five acres. We couldn't go any more than that. And they finally tore it down and put office complex up. I ever died, drive by, and I just praise God. Thank you for saying no. 
In his message today, Pastor Mark taught more about asking God for things in prayer. He talked about the danger of not believing that God will answer your prayer. You found out that it's important to know about God in general, which will help you when you pray. The main way to know God better is to read His Word and to become familiar with His character. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. This concludes Pastor Mark's teaching, Just Ask. Next time, he'll begin the teaching, His Incredible Promises. You'll be taken through both the Old and New Testaments and shown some of the many promises that God has made to his followers. You'll learn about the commitments God has made to his people and how his love for you is displayed over and over. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series called Real Conversations with God. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have-